You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Let's do it. Let's do it. The title of my message today is Get Up. Really simple. Get up. Uh, yeah, Paul, I love you. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to start with the scripture. It's probably the second most popular scripture of all scriptures. So it's kind of cheating to use the best ones, but I'm going to do it. It's been a while. so. Uh, but I want to read the whole scripture to you. This is Psalms 23, and then I got a video clip for you, and then I'm going to tie this all together. So Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Title of my message is Get Up. We're in our God in Hollywood series. Um, This movie clip I'm about to show is from the movie Rocky Balboa, made in 2006. I love all the Rocky movies. Some of the greatest music of a decade or of a century has come out of it, like the final countdown. Greatest musical compilation put together this century, I would say. Um, But the most recent Rocky movie, I think is well, Creed, I guess you count, but this one was in 2006, and Rocky's getting a little old, and I'm just setting up the video here. But he just decides to do an exhibition fight because fighter's going to fight. That's what it is. Fighter's got to fight. Some of you, if you're in here, you're a natural-born fighter, you know, fighter's going to fight. Just target that energy in the right direction. Avoid it towards your spouse, right? As if, you, if, if you need help there, listen to Pastor Leanne's message this morning and just come to Jesus again. Um, but Rocky's about to fight, and his son is upset because his son feels like his dad has caused a lot of issues in his life, living in his dad's shadow, and he finally got past it, and now his dad's back in the spotlight. And so they have this confrontation, and the son just says, don't mess up my life. And then we come to this speech, which is one of my favorite speeches. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is a great writer. I got to give him credit. He's not just buff. He wrote the script. And just check out this uh, speech he gives his son, and then we'll come and tie it together. I, uh, yeah, let's just do an altar call now. That does it right there. No, today, tonight, in uh, the next two, three, four hours as I unwrap this, um, now in the next couple minutes, I want to talk about the subject of um, the hits life gives us, pain. And in a church, whoa, you guys got like super quiet. It's going to be cool, I promise. Like, we're going to be okay. Because there is there's a, there's a good ending to this story. But But here's the thing, we live in a heaven on earth culture in this church. That's why we see miracles every week. That's why men's prayer is like over 100 men every week, and you hear all these God stories of God on the move. We live in a heaven invading earth, and heaven's authority is much more powerful than earth's authority, and we've been given dominion and the power to call that down, to change diagnosis that doctors give, to uh, have miracle babies when they said it wasn't possible, to see people that were so far down the one road end up, you know, 
on the worship team or in front just praising the Lord. We live in that culture. We live in a culture of constant encouragement and miracles, and that's good. That's how we are meant to live. But there is a component of our Christian walk that does come from time to time, which is Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley. There are occasional valleys. There are valleys, and I wanted to try to bring a little bit of clarification of the purpose and the divine opportunity we have when those moments come. I want to start right off the bat, though, to say that pain and these valleys were always meant to be a doorway, never a living room. That's the first thing you need to know. If you're in a pain situation, it's meant to be a doorway, not a living room. And so many Christians, we get stuck, and I grew up in this kind of theology that, you know, we say, oh, everything's in heaven. This is just pain time the whole time. And I'm just saying, you know, that's not super attractive to the world. That is not getting people hyped on Jesus. When you walk, yep, just suffering every day until I get to heaven. They're like, okay, well, I'll try to time it a little better then and wait (laughs) get my sin in and then just try to scoot it. You know what I mean? Like, we do not draw people, we do not lift up a God. C.S. Lewis says it this way, the serious business of heaven is joy. And that's what our lives are supposed to reflect. However, there is valleys and they are important and God can do some of his finest work in them if we put them in their right perspective. So I'm going to get real tonight, all right? Look, if you're, like, wanting me to be holier than thou and a man of God and above everything, like, sorry, you're not going to get much out of this. But if you're a real person, a real person with real struggles, with real insecurities that's growing in their faith, I hope I can resonate with you. And I'm not going to pull, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to be really real. Because this whole message is birthed out of pain, out of my season of walking through my valley of the shadow of death. And listen, not a pity party. Please don't come up after. I'm good. Like, you don't have to be like, I'm so sorry. You don't need a hug. I've, ha- I've got, I needed some then. I got some then. I'm okay. Like, and please, please, I get this. This is my preaching thing, and I know I do it, so it's fine. But I just, I, people always come up, man. They never say, like, dude, you're so funny. You're so good at preaching. They say, you're so transparent. <laughs> Appreciate it. Just, I don't need to hear that either. <laughs> I don't know why it just... I just, thank you. Thank you ahead of time. Okay, I'm going to be real though. But you don't have to tell me that because it's, it's going to be obvious. All right, pain. The time frame's jumbled because it was extended longer than it needed to be, but somewhere around four or five years ago, it was like, let me backtrack. My life, pretty easy. I grew up in a small town. And I was kind of like a big fish, not a fat joke, just saying I was a big fish. I used to be like, you know, better looking fish. But I was a big fish in a small pond. I was a big fish in a small pond, grew up in a little town, married my high school sweetheart. We're in the same class, same high school. Oh, by the way, I got to stop because I honored some friends in here. And Hector, at least you're in that friend group too. I I love you guys. But um, see, I'm getting in trouble. But I got to say... My ride or die. And you don't know what you have until it's tested, until the fire. But my ride or die is my wife. Dang it, man. (laughs) Yeah. 
I want to say more about certain people, but I can't because I don't want to cry because I'm a dude. All right, let's get to it. So my season of pain, it was like I everything was awesome, to be honest. Like uh, high school, wasn't really bullied, fairly popular, good at sports. I, it was good. Married a hottie from, uh, you know, from our high school. Like, and... Uh, and we got married, and then we moved to San Diego, and I had a great job in San Diego, and I had a lot of success. I was number one in the country with a big security company in my branch. I got promoted. I was the youngest regional director. Like, life was good, and we found a great church. Life was good. And then they asked me and my wife to be the young adult pastors, and that was amazing. And life was so, like, I was just like, God, you're so awesome. You're so cool. You're so good. And a lot of us are, you like that. You found C3 and it's like the honeymoon phase. You're like the first time you tithe, like, bing, you're, you're, it happens. Like the first time you ever tithe, like, ding, there's money in your account. Where'd that come from? You know what I'm saying? Like the first time you go to men's prayer, you get a prophetic word that changes everything, you know? First time you go to a connect group, you meet your friends for life. Like it starts out and God, I think God's like, here, it's baby steps. Just giving it to you, making it easy. I'm, you're laughing because it's true. <laughs> it's true. And then, at least in, in the journey, and let me also add another caveat. It's really important. Pain needs to be put in its right parameters. Some of the things Christians accuse God of doing, if he was a parent, they would, he would go to jail. God is not the author of pain. He is not the author of cancer. He is not the author of abuse. He does not waste our pain, but he does not author our pain. We live in a fallen world. It's important. It's important for you to get. We live in a fallen world that he allows free will, and, and we are, the, the reason the church is so important is we have been given authority to call down heaven's authority down to earth. We are responsible for this earth being a better place. God has given us that divine dominion but God is not the author. But he is the author of your life. And he hates to waste the pain because he feels it. Just like I feel it when my kid gets hurt. We've been in the ER twice once. Almost twice. <laughs> you know, and every, like, watching my son get his first set of stitches, like, I don't know who it hurt more. Especially because they gave him funny gas and he was kind of out of it. But, but it hurt me just to see him in any kind of pain. And so God is a good father. All right, so let me get to the story. So life was really good. And then all of a sudden, it was like out of the blue, it felt like one thing happened after another. And I can't get into the too much details, but I just want to make sure you understand that this word is coming from a seasoned place, not from a hypothetical, okay? So everything was good. And then all of a sudden, I got fired from my job with a security company over something that was crazy and I would have never saw coming. And, uh, and at the time, I thought I was untouchable. I was like number one in the company at that time. And I, got, I lost my job. After that, we had two miscarriages. The first one, I don't know why it was such a blow, but it's like we found out on Mother's Day that my wife was pregnant with our best friends. Like we all like were together and we found out and we called our parents and, you know, and we, and we lost that baby and then got pregnant again, and we lost another baby. And, you know, it just, it, these, are, these happen in consecutive order. So I'm just trying to explain that it was like, it just, the hits seemed like they kept coming. Yeah. Then we finally did get pregnant, and 
my wife was in the hospital for a solid six weeks before Levi was delivered, and it was really scary. I mean, they had her on, like, so much medication. It's like, at times, it seemed like she was just in a coma to deal with the pain, and we didn't, they didn't know what was going on. And then after that, the, and let me backtrack. When I lost my job, something happened in me because at that point, my identity was wrapped in that. So your pain is your pain. So for you losing a job, you're like, eh, I've lost a bunch of jobs. doesn't matter. But in that moment for me, when I lost that job, it cut me to my deepest fear, my deepest fear of failure and rejection. I've always had a fear, or I always did have a fear of it, and it cut me so deep, and I wasn't really able to articulate that, that I came into this season initially starting out with a wound that I hadn't dealt with. After that, there were changes in, in the ministry that we oversaw in the format and just other stuff going on. And they, let me tell you this, when you're broken, you can be in the healthiest atmosphere and environment in the world. Things still aren't going to work. God's going to take time to make sure you, you get fixed. He cares for you. So this is the greatest church on earth, but too long of a story, but basically a lot of changes on both ends. And the min- after I lost my job, the only thing I had my identity wrapped in was my, the ministry we were doing. And we were doing well, and then the changes came, and it was like that was stripped from me, and I felt completely like a failure. To topple that, the next job I got, the company went under, and I had spent all of my reserves, and we were so broke that we were a week away from losing our house at one point. And if it were not for a miracle check that came in the mail, like, we would have lost our house. The first, Asher's first Christmas and Levi's second Christmas, I didn't, wasn't able to buy them a single present. And basically, I just reached a place where I felt like a total failure. It's getting heavy in here again. I promise it gets good, okay? We're going to be okay. Don't feel bad for me. I just need you to know. I just need you to know where it's coming from because when I give you the wisdom, I want you to know that I dug deep for it, okay? It's okay. Jesus is good. But I remember breaking down, and I was, uh, you know, sorry for the visual, but I was in the shower, and I just collapsed. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I'm married, ladies. Calm down. I just, I collapsed. I collapsed, and I was so, so broken. And, and let me backtrack one more time, because this is where it gets real. I'd like to say that even in the brokenness, it was like, oh, you know what I did? I doubled down. I fasted. I prayed. No. That part kind of dried up. I felt so alone. I really wasn't reading my Bible much. I began to drink every night to fall asleep. And that lasted for a while until God, and, it, and it, just so you know, my background with my family, both grandpa's alcoholics, my dad an alcoholic, been sober for, I think, 30 years now, but alcoholism runs in the family line, and that demon saw an opportunity, and he went for it. And so I'm busted up, feel like a total failure, and now self-medicating. And I collapse in the shower, and I, I just cry out to God. I'm like, God, please stop. I can't take anymore. I cannot take anymore. And I, I like to say, you know, at that point, it's like the water parted in the shower head, and <laughs> the, a dove came down and said, This is my son. <laughs> no. 
I heard, I felt that I heard the Holy Spirit, and I, here's what he said. <laughs> Don't waste this. I was not happy. Just, <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't waste this. And I got up, and I, and I was angry at God, truthfully. I said, fine. You going to be like that? Let's go then. Let's go then. But something shifted at that point. Because I, I took that word. I didn't take it in a good attitude or with good faith. But I said, okay. Okay. It's like the Rocky quote. Nothing's going to hit as hard as life, but it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get up. Because it says that though I walk through the valley. I walk through. The problem is when you're collapsed on the ground is you're living there. God's not asking you to all of a sudden, like he didn't ask, hey, buck up, don't cry anymore. He just said, stand up. Just stand up. Don't waste this. So I come, I, I give you that full story for you guys. Oh, and then, so let me backtrack. Sorry, it, just, it was a rough time. <laughs> so, but this is important to where we're going to go. So I get there, and I start to see some change. Once I say, okay, God, I won't waste this, I start to see some change. We start a company, and we have a little success. We're able to buy or acquisition another company to add to our company, and, and things start kind of happening. I'm feeling good, and I can remember. It was like for a month in May, a while back, a couple of Mays ago, I was like, oh, we're, we're coming back. And then my, call, my phone rings, and I pick up the phone, and it's my wife. And she's screaming, and I can't understand what she's saying, but I know something really bad has happened, and we, her dad had suddenly, unexpectedly passed away from a heart attack. And I remember as I was driving to go get her, I was like, God, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, we just made it through. How... No, we can't. I, we're not ready for this. We're not ready for this. So that's all the pain, okay? That was the hard part. <laughs> and I say that to say that now on the other side, what God has done in our life in that season, I would not trade what he's done. I would not trade what he's done. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. However, obviously, losing, my, and you got to understand, losing my father-in-law, that wasn't just a hit to my wife. He was like my best friend in Oakdale. He was, is the greatest man, one of the greatest men I've ever met. It would go my dad and then him and then his son are just all in the three dudes that have meant so much to me in my life. So I lost a, a dear friend in that moment. But I'll tell you what. So we walked through all that, and that final blow was where I would say at that point I really understood that it was gonna I was gonna need to rely on God a hundred percent because we were just coming out of a hard season and then this and let me help just now bring some clarity to what are we supposed to do with these kind of pains struggles and failures and the valleys that we walk through so go ahead and shake it out real quick because I got through the heavy part there you go we keep, we're going to, it is upbeat. But listen, I do want, as I give you this now, as I give you this now in these couple nuggets, 
If you're not going through something right now, please put this in the memory bank. Because the valleys are the greatest doorway into an intimacy and a gift from God that you cannot get in any place else. I'm not saying I wish them upon you, but do not waste them. But here's the deal. Pain will either make you crippled or a conqueror, and there's no in between. Real pain will either cripple you or create a conqueror in you, but there is no in between. And all the way from the spectrum of stubbing your toe to the loss of somebody dear, and I don't want to negate that, by the way. I'm going to, I'll hit that in a minute, but there are levels of the valleys and loss, and there are different ways the Holy Spirit works in that, but, but God does not want us to be crippled, does not want us to be victims. He wants us to be victors and conquerors. If you read the book of uh, Exodus, we talked about a little bit, God would rather have you free in your wilderness than a slave in your promise. That's what God showed me through the first thing he showed me through the pain is I would rather have you be in your wilderness but free because your character is not ready for the promise yet. And Romans 5 is very clear. The greatest and probably, as far as I can tell, the only way God can do a deep, transformative character work in you is the Holy Spirit mixed with some pain. And I wish it wasn't so, but character is forged in his love and your moment of pain. And out of that, it says perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, a hope that cannot be shaken. But know this, God wants you in your promise. But he will not, it's, but in 1 John, it says that Jesus came to set us free for freedom's sake. Jesus wants us free. And some of the blessing in the promised land that he has for us, we cannot be free with our mindset the way it is, with our perspective the way it is, with our faith the way it is. And so God is hovering where you're at to pull you as a good shepherd to the doorway where you can have the promise. If you felt stuck for a year, for two years, you feel stuck right now, it's not because God wants you there. It's because he's trying to pull you to something, but it requires the character formation. First point, when you go through pain, have the right perspective. Pain is always a doorway. It's never a living room, and it is not an exit. Let me explain that. Living room's pretty simple. We're not meant to stay in the pain. We're meant to ask, we're meant to seek the Lord. It says that his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Now, if you're like me, when I was in that pain and in the self-medicating, I thought the rod was to beat me. I thought God wanted to punish me. You know, the shepherd never used the rod on the sheep. The rod was the weapon he fended off the wolves with, the bears with, the lions with. He's your protector. He's your protector first. And the staff has a hook on it, right? We've all seen a manger scene or two, you know? The staff, that hook, is so that the shepherd can pull the sheep closer to him. See, in our valley, God is trying to protect us and pull us closer to him because he knows the direction we need to go and the area we need to have developed. 
The promise always requires us to have a conqueror mindset. And pain, see, for me, facing my greatest fear and surviving it, it clicked in me that I don't have to live under that anymore. See, once you've faced a fear and it didn't kill you, you realize, whoa, I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was because I thought that would have killed me. I thought that would have killed me. And so God walks us through stuff to show us what we're made of in him, what our new creation is really all about. It's like having a Ferrari in the garage and you look at it, but you've never actually pushed the gas pedal and popped it into fifth gear and seen what it can do. God wants to take us out for a test drive. we got to have the courage and the faith to go for it. So proper perspective. Another thing that's important with perspective, God is good and God is for you. Always. Always and forever. God is good and God is for you. Yeah, that needs a clap. God is good and God is for you. God is good and God is for you. Hit your neighbor. Say, God is good. Hit your second choice and say, God is for you. God is good and God is for you. Next thing, God's got to get a hold in your pain. He's got to get a hold of your mouth. He's got to get a hold of your declaration. You need to praise in the storm. You need to declare his goodness when the circumstance isn't showing it. That's not just a like self-help trick book, okay? We're not in the, the, the self-help stole it from Jesus. The declaration God made you to be a creator. Your words create. Your words create in your marriage. Your words create in your children. Your words create in your finances. Your words create. And if your words will change at the drop of a hat, at the first sign of an enemy, at the first sign of a problem, at the first sign of struggle, then he cannot put the big things before you that you were meant to conquer. Because your words might trip now and the risk is what? hundred bucks in a bank account, but what about when your words have a million dollar company behind them and you can curse because you have on a bad day? And I'm not talking about cussing. You can work on that too, but that's not the message. I'm talking about your declaration, about what God's doing, about how he works. That's why I love men's prayer. Dudes, if you don't go to men's prayer, you're missing it. You're missing it. Matt always gets up there. He's like, look, don't get in that circle and start giving us a laundry list of your problems. Get in that circle and prophesy to your problems. Listen, until you stop talking about how big your problems are to God and you start telling your problems how big your God is, you cannot, will not get to the promise where he has for you. You must tell your problems how big God is. You must speak to the mountain and make it an anthill. You tell your problems how big your God is. And if it doesn't go away in one day, you tell them the next day. And you tell it the next day. And then when it's Tuesday, you get five other dudes to tell that problem how big your God is. And then when it's Thursday, ladies, you get five other, I don't know how many other ladies. And then if you got it, you get all of Cherish praying for you at Cherish Conference, but you rally. And you tell the problem how big your God is. This is how, and this is, I'm telling you, when you're in your pain moment. See, I said earlier that pain is not an exit door. I'm so sick and tired of at the first pain. Christians are out, man. 
oh, time to go church shopping again because Pastor Matt went heavy on the offering message on the bed, and he told me I need to tithe, and wow, come on. If it hurts, good. Become a person that needs a little bit, like appreciates it. Like today, Pastor Leanne kicked my butt. Like I was one out of the 10 I was doing okay on. I was like, oh. And you know what? I left church. I was like, oh, it felt so good. I needed that. I needed that. And last, with pain, understand the concept of the wine press. So we just got back from Israel. And I, yeah, I give a shout out to my Israel people. Whoop, whoop. Hey, start saving now. Honestly, once in a lifetime trip and the people you do it with is so important. Like, it's unbelievable. But I was moved at a lot of places. But for whatever reason, the thing that hit me the most was when we went to the tomb where they're pretty sure Jesus was laid. And they found it and it, it was bought and it was in a vineyard. And as you would walk out of the tomb, the very first thing you would see was a wine press. And that, the beauty, the imagery of Jesus being pressed and crushed and out of it, new wine flowing for us. But then as I was contemplating that, I got thinking that this is the only place where the Holy Spirit can produce in us a wine press is at our point of greatest pain. See, there are some pains like losing a loved one or serious trauma or violation that are so deep, it's like a crater has landed. Like you have a garden in your backyard and a crater, just a meteor, and there's just this crater. I think of people like losing a child or something. And, and I'm not minimizing pain, but at the point of, if you have an area where there's severe pain, and some pain, honestly, all pain will get washed up eventually. In heaven, all tears will be dried. But there are some pains, like a loss, that you're gonna have to live in the time, the gap between when it all gets washed away and you know it will happen, you have that reassurance, and now. And that's where Jesus comes in and he creates the wine press. And that crut, and I, we talk, I talked about my, my wife's dad passing away. Till we get to heaven, there will never be a replacement for him. The crater will, the gap will always be there. But from that place, God has started to establish a place where the crushing happened. His Holy Spirit comes in and starts to put fruit in there, grapes. And this new anointing, this new wine can flow from that place. Don't get me wrong. Some, like, the pain is still the pain. But there's a special grace God has at our point of pain where you will find that if you try to stand up, you will be able to walk again. Even though it feels like a part of you is taken away, you will be able to walk. But you will also find that as the Holy Spirit walks with you, that that place is where the new wine will come out and you will have an anointing to help and minister and operate in power and pray and grow like you've never seen before. God does not waste pain. 
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 